Welcome to a special episode of Whiskey and White Cards. I'm Vasant and today I'll be reviewing Sprawl Runners. Today will be a bit of a light edition of this podcast. There's just one wildcard here. There'll be no whiskey review, but don't worry, there's still an RPG review coming up. Since we can't do the review together this time, I jumped at the opportunity to review something that Manu wrote. Sprawl Runners is a toolkit to build a cyberpunk setting, so it's not a complete setting on its own, it's more of a companion to build it. It's 71 pages and available on DriveThruRPG for, this time, $6.99. Since its release at the 1st of November, it already managed to become a platinum bestseller on DriveThruRPG. So I guess there were a lot of people waiting for something like this to come out. Let's start with the looks. The artwork comes from different art packs from different artists, so the art style isn't really 100% consistent. The tone varies a bit between gritty cool and colorful cartoony, but it always supports the content. Given the price of this product, I think that's totally okay. The layout is done by Jetty. You might already know him from the swag product Wand Magic. It's easy to read and uses a mixture of rust, neon and bullet holes for the page decoration. I like the fonts, but I think the rust is a bit much, but that's just my personal taste. Also every page has clickable chapter links at the top. I think that's really useful and I liked it a lot when it was included in the Titan Effect Tactical Edition, so I'm happy that they did it here as well. Your guide through the book is a runner called Patty, and I think that's nicely done. The book starts with an introduction to the kinds of settings it was written for. The classic cyberpunk games Cyberpunk 2020 and Shadowrun are mentioned, but there's a good description of the tone and style of these settings, so you don't need to have read them to understand Sprawl Runners. For urban magic and meta-humans, there are a few options presented how to integrate them into your setting background including the option to leave them out completely. Since I'm not a big fan of magic and trolls in a cyberpunk setting, I appreciate that a lot. For character creation, it comes with a few meta-human species to choose from. To be honest, if this would be a setting, I'd find these species rather bland and boring. It doesn't really give a new spin to the standard fantasy races everyone knows already. However, for a toolkit, it does make sense to stick to the standard names everyone is familiar with and leave the fancy names to the ones who actually build a setting with this. They are also not just copy-pasted from the core rulebook, and I really like how it makes a difference between cliches and actual differences to humans here. The tables for backgrounds and goals aren't something I really need for my games. But I think it's a good way to quickly come up with character ideas or to get into the setting if you're new to it. Patty serves as an example here how to use these tables. I would have preferred pregens or at least archetypes for a situation like a one-shot where there's not that much emphasis on character creation, but sadly that's missing from the book. Sprawrunners comes with a bunch of setting rules. Money is replaced by logistics points. This is originally from Titan Effect and is credited as such. These logistics points are tied to your rank and certain hindrances and edges. It also works together with the lifestyle setting rule, which I'll get to in a moment. I think it's a great way to reduce bookkeeping, keep the game interesting and convey certain setting tropes without taking away options from the players. It's also well explained and features a few examples how to deal with certain in-game situations. 
With the lifestyle rules you can determine what your character's everyday life looks like and what's included in his everyday life and what costs extra, meaning logistics points. These lifestyle levels are influenced by hindrances and edges, like rich for example. The lifestyle levels nicely flesh out hindrances like poverty and edges like rich and give a lot of useful examples what this lifestyle means for situations in the game. Implants are handled through implant points which you can get through certain edges. I like this approach more than limiting cyberware through derived values or something similar. To me it seems both easier and mechanically more solid. Contacts, who are often important in these kind of games, get their own setting rule as well. I think that one makes it easier for the GM to run the game and for the players to interact with it. The no powerpoints rules are a bit changed up for Sprawlrunners. This one makes the game a bit more complicated, I think. You don't only have to watch out for critical failures and failures now, but also for what kind of role you do with your skill die. So if your skill die is a d6, you have to separate them somehow. This is something that was in the previous editions of Savage Worlds, and I was actually happy that they got rid of it in the Savage Worlds Adventures edition, so I'm not too excited to see it return here. That mechanic shows up on the hindrances and edges as well. It's used in the erratic cyberware hindrance for example, and I think this would have worked fine with a critical failure. It's also included in the hindrance jinxed, but in this case I don't know how to solve it differently. The hindrances for permanent injuries, for example missing limp, are modified in a way that they make sense both in the setting and mechanically. There's also a bunch of new hindrances and edges that are connected to the new mechanics for hacking, cyberware, magic and the like. Speaking of magic, there's a chapter in here which is nearly a fourth of the whole book. For me that's way too much. It reads like an urban fantasy setting more than something that I would call cyberpunk. But since you can just leave out magic without problems, it's not a bad thing to have it in here. You get chiadabs and mages and shamans, totems and spirits and the astral plane. It's all very detailed. If you choose the arcane background chiadabt, you get two chi points that you can use for chi powers. In contrast to the standard magic powers you may know already, these are more like edges and are always active. They are edges to earn more chi points, but you can also trap edges as chi powers if you want. This works very well mechanically, I think, but the mixture between powers and edges doing roughly the same thing might make it a bit confusing. In the end though, I think it's a great idea. It looks really cool and feels very different from the other kind backgrounds. Mages are the magic users you are probably already familiar with if you know any fantasy settings. They can cast spells and learn new ones from spellbooks, tomes or spell formulas. As usual, you have to take the new powers edge to learn new spells though. The third type of magic users, the shamans, look similar at first glance. They have a shorter list of available powers, but they can learn the healing power, something the mages can't do. Apart from the fluff that mages learn new spells through books and tomes, while shamans learn it through their connection with nature, there are bigger differences once you check out the spirits that they can conjure. The big difference is that the nature spirits of the shamans can cast their own spells, so in the game these arcane backgrounds should play out really differently. There are also extra roles for how cyberware interacts with magic, how drain works for mages and shamans, and for casting magic rituals as a group. Following that, there is a really extensive list of possible totems for the shamans and a list of spirits to summon for the different arcane backgrounds and ranks. With an edge you gain the ability to create a certain focus. 
There are different types of focuses here, spell focus, power focus, maintaining focus or a weapon focus, which I found a bit too detailed and complicated. The rules for hacking come in two types. The first one is called slow burn and it is something like a complete subsystem similar to the combat mechanics for moving and acting in cyberspace. You get a set of specialized rules for certain actions, stats for enemies you might encounter and equipment and utilities that you can choose from. I'm sure a lot of work went into designing this subsystem. And in itself it looks really good and well designed, if a bit complex. The huge problem I have with it is that I can't see how it works if not all players are playing hackers. For combat, Savage Worlds enables non-fighters to participate in a meaningful way. The slow burn mechanics on the other hand are exclusively for the operators in cyberspace. So if not the whole group is comprised of hackers, either parts of the groups are twiddling their thumbs or it's a separate subsystem that works parallel to, for example, a combat. I would find this very complicated and needlessly complex, and avoiding that is the exact purpose of dramatic tasks in Savage Worlds. Luckily, Manu isn't new to Savage Worlds, so there's a second option, which is called Fastland Hacking, which you can buy separately, by the way, which is a lot faster and easier and similar to a dramatic task in its structure. It gives you a short list of equipment you can use, different hacking circumstances you can apply, and description of the different phases, so you don't have five rounds of eye-roll hacking again. The ones that control drones and vehicles in this setting are called jockeys. They can choose between giving orders to these autonomous vehicles and drones, or use their cyberware to jump into these vehicles and control them like their own body. It's all very straightforward and clean on the mechanics side, and also includes example vehicles and drones. Now to the equipment. There's a whole lot of cyberware you can get in here. And it's not just the usual better, faster, stronger stuff that you would expect, but also a lot of interesting ideas, I think. All this is balanced by this implant point mechanic, so you don't get to the point where cyberware is strictly better than an advancement. The different kinds of armor come with information about their legality and conspicuity, which I find very handy. The rules for Kevlar armor from the core rules, which reduce the damage inflicted by bullets and such, aren't used here at all. It doesn't use different armor values, which was used in Savage Worlds Deluxe, and is still used in Titan Effect, I think, either. I admit that I'm not a big fan of these extra rules for Kevlar, so I don't miss them at all. On the other hand, I can't say for sure how well fixed armor values work in the long run. They certainly make the game less fiddly. Weapons come as a kind of construction kit. You get a selection of basic frames, modifications and accessories. With that, you put together your weapon and you can even choose from a list of manufacturers and models or come up with your own. If you want, you can also use special ammunition. The only problem I have here is the gel ammunition. This one makes your bullets 100% non-lethal, but it doesn't really have the downsides that other non-lethal approaches like close combat or taser darts do. So for an easy non-lethal approach it gives the mechanical incentive to load up your combat shotgun, sniper rifle or assault rifle with gel rounds and everything will be fine. I find that very silly. Other than that, there's a good selection of melee weapons, vehicle weapons, ranged weapons that aren't firearms and explosives. The gear section includes everyday equipment as well as specialized tools. These tools cover a lot of usage scenarios, I think it's pretty cool. The vehicle list contains most of the vehicles you'd need for civilian use. 
For more fancy and specialized vehicles, I think you need to wait for an updated science fiction companion or something like that. The book closes with a glossary of useful terms, summaries for hindrances, edges, cheap powers and cyberware. And I think that's a really nice touch. All in all, I must say, I am impressed. There are a lot of well-designed and useful rules in here, and also a great selection of equipment. I can certainly do without all these fantasy, magical elements. Especially because I get the impression that they kind of replicate the cyber options. The chi adepts enhance themselves, similar to people who implant cyberware. The shamans summon a lot of little helpers, like the jockeys do with their drones. And the mages feel like a magical equivalent of people with cool equipment and hacking abilities. So all this feels a bit redundant to me. Especially in a cyberpunk setting. But I know, I know, there's Shadowrun. And of course, this toolkit is supposed to be able to model that as well. Because of that, I'm very happy about how modular this toolkit is, so I can just throw out all these urban fantasy things without the setting toolkit breaking down. Things I would have liked to see are archetypes or character types and a few supplements for running the game. For example, an adventure generator or a generator for gangs, fixers and the like. But I can see that this might be a bit too setting specific for a toolkit. If you need a toolkit for a cyberpunk game, I'd really recommend this. Especially for this low price. It's also compatible to savage.us if you're using this, and there's also a card deck for use in virtual tabletops or to print it yourself, available separately. I hope you found this review interesting and helpful. Thank you for listening.